Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to join these two wrestlers and oddball union. If anyone in the IWC think these two should not join an unholy union, speak now in front of us or forever moan about it in your mother's basement on the internet. Now, by the power vested in me and by the virtue of the authority of our bookers, I now pronounce these teams oddballs. <laughs> you may start the show. Welcome back, Wrestling Junkies. We're back with another new episode, and we're sharing wrestling stories that are usually swept under the apron. I'm your host, Ernie. Unfortunately, Michael could not be here with me today. He is out with uh, personal reasons, so I'm going solo for this episode. Last week's Q&A question was, who is your favorite wrestling odd couple? It could have been a regular tag team or a mixed tag team, or it could be a wrestling couple. We had maybe about more than 15 names added to the mix, and mostly were oddballs, until Michael brought up tag teams and managers to wrestler type also. People that you wouldn't say expect to usually be hanging out with each other, like let's say the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, even though that happened before, and you know, when they were stopped by a cop, you wouldn't see the type, those two as a tag team or in, in in real life not in real life but you know in the middle of the ring so let me start you off with a little story about tag team wrestling tag team wrestling have been a stable in the wrestling industry for 121 years the first recorded tag team match in professional wrestling was by San Francisco promoters in 1901 to add some diversity of entertainment to their cards while it was primarily a regional gimmick, it eventually gained national attention in the 1930s. It was still a sideshow part of the card until the crowning of the first World Tag Team Champions in the 1950s. Ironically, in the San Francisco NWA regional promotion, won by Ray Eckert and hard-boiled Haggerty over Ronnie Etchison and Larry McKinn, as a tag team, you have to know your partner, much like a marriage, and be able to trust them. Be able to blend with them, be able to share the same gimmick and wear the same outfits, or so you would think, you know, like let's say the Heart Foundation, the Rockers, the Legion of Doom, um, Demolition, you know, they share, they have the same outfits, they're blended in, they mesh well together, you know, all that stuff. Even couples for that matter are on the same wavelength. But what happens when you're set up with a partner that is the exact opposite of your gimmick? 
Or what happens when one wrestler is hooking up with another wrestler, but it doesn't make sense? Like, let's say the hot, popular girl at school hooks up with the geek. Granted, this is so common nowadays because the geeks have taken over the world. <laughs> yeah, geeks. But back then, in our era, in our high school, you never heard of the popular cheerleader dating a member of the glee club. But then again, uh, my school didn't have a glee club, and... You know, when I say back then, 1990s, 1980s, of course, don't be counting Revenge of the Nerd, because that, that was a fantasy for us. Never happened. These are wrestling odd couples and tag teams. First up, we have Sonny and Venus Godwin. Venus I. Godwin, abbreviated as PIG, made his WWE debut in early of 1996 as a tag partner for Henry O. Godwin, abbreviated as HOG. You might have heard that a few episodes back. I mentioned it. Their manager was WWE Hall of Famer Hillbilly Jim. No relations to being a hog or a pig or anything like that. He was just a Billy. Hillbilly. He's an um, old school 80s wrestler type in the Hogan era. They were Hillbilly Palmer gimmicks and Phoenix was the kid of the group. Naive, marking out to other wrestlers that were there before him. While Henry felt more like a big brother, but could kick ass. On the other side of the spectrum and personality as well as gimmick is Sonny, who was the manager of the Body Donnas, a heel tag team that is obsessed with being fit and making sure everyone in the WWE Universe was fit as well. Her husband, Skip, and his kayfabe cousin tag team partner, Zip, who was really Tom Pritchard from the Heavenly Bodies. He basically had to shave down his hair, dye it platinum blonde, and wear the exact same outfit as Skip for this tag team to work. On March 31st, 1996, on the pre-show of WrestleMania 12, the Body Donnells defeated the Godwins in the finals for the vacant WWF tag team titles due to Sonny distracting Phoenix by jumping the apron and showing off her butt. Yeah, she usually does that. <laughs> she... Um, the Godwins and the Bodydonnas would feud for a few months, but not only for the WWE Tag Team titles, but because Phoenix wanted to see Sunny. Um, sorry dude, she was basically seeing other heartbreak guys. She eventually gave in and had a crush on Phoenix. They would go back and forth like this until the Godwins finally won the Tag Team titles from the Bodydonnas on May 19th, 1996 at Madison Square Garden. Sonny would try to get on the apron again and distract Venus, but he grabbed a hold of her and planted a kiss on her. He turned around and hit a finisher on Zip and pinned him, winning the tag team titles. This wouldn't last long, however, as during the week, it would be teased that Sonny enjoyed that kiss and would flirt with Venus. However, on May 26th on the In Your House Beware of Dog pay-per-view, Sonny had made a deal to manage the tag team champions. The Godwins, because of her, to her, where the tag team belt went, she would go also. Venus was a bit excited for this, and would walk with Sonny holding her hand because he thought they were a couple. Ah, oh, yeah, dude. Sorry about that. 
Man, did his heart break. I said they, as they defended the tag team belts that night against the smoking guns, Sonny would do her usual manager move, get on the apron, and try to flash her butt to Billy Gunn. Uh, for those that are wondering, yes, that is the same Billy Gunn, who you know now as the badass Billy Gunn. He had a uh, cowboy gimmick. Um, him and his brother, Kayfay brother, Bart Gunn, not really his brother, but they were tag teams, the Smoking Guns. So she flashed her butt to Billy Gunn, who did exactly what Phoenix did, and grabbed Sonny and pla- planted a big kiss on her. And probably wondering who wouldn't want to do that. Yes. Now, not so much because of stories, but back then, yes. She was the queen back then. She was Sunny, the most downloadable. Okay, yeah, the most downloadable um, person on the internet until someone else took that title, of course. Back to the story, though. Venus got distracted and heartbroken, and Bart Gunn basically German suplexed him and won the belt. They would eventually feud for the next few months with Sonny having that clause in her contract that she gets to manage the tag team champions, whoever they may be. So now again, Phineas has to compete for her attention as well as she was off to better things. It's always the fine print, buddy. You always gotta read the fine print. Even if your manager says it's okay, don't trust your manager. Don't trust Sonny either. She's a bad girl, Phineas. And it's, I mean, you had the help of a legend and your tag partner, your cousin. They should have just told you, hey, she's bad news. Maybe they did. Maybe Henry Godwin was like, no, dude, come on. Um, get with the program. Hillbilly Jim also was like, mm, she's a bad girl, bro. And Phoenix just went with it. He fell in love. He was all up in love. He was in love with a thought, though. Sorry, kiddo. The next case, the next story is probably one of my favorite stories because I was actually invested in this one. It's Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna. Or as I would say, the curious case of Bam Bam and Luna. So in order to understand this relationship, we must go back to WrestleMania 9. The setting? Shawn Michaels versus Tatanka for the Intercontinental Championship. Tatanka brought out Sensational Sherry with him because Shawn Michaels had did her dirty earlier in the year. Maybe it was around last year. Yeah, I do believe it was last year. Um, Shawn Michaels does this gimmick where he's a freaking male stripper and he has Sensational Sherry, who used to be a manager, come out with him and you know, hold a big mirror right in front of him while he checks himself out. Well, you might have heard us talk about um, the Rockers before and how they broke up. And it was Marty Jannetty who was out for a few months after getting super kicked in the face. And I guess he um, accidentally walked himself into a a window. Uh, the barber? Well, he accidentally walked himself, right? Uh, some Bobby the Brain Heenan said it. <laughs> uh, 
But truthfully, Shawn Michaels threw him into the window. Lots of blood. He was out for a few months. Came back and tried to beat him, but he moved out of the way. And the Marty's nanny hit Sherry instead. Basically, that partnership was over. She was no longer his valet. And back then, his theme music was not what it used to be today, what it was now. Like, instead of him singing it, it was her singing it. And trust me, guys, you don't want to hear that voice. Um, Sensational Sherry, Sister Sherry, um, God bless her, you know, rest in peace and all. But that voice, man, that voice. So, he did her dirty. Um, and she wanted to be at ringside to be able to watch Tatanka be Shawn Michaels. The future Mr. WrestleMania, might I add. What she didn't count on, however, was for Michaels himself to bring someone along at ringside. And that was Luna Bashan. Which everybody described her as deranged and insane. And we saw a taste of that when she confront when she was confronted by Sherry. Even after the match, later in the evening while a match was taking place, we heard a rumbling that Luna attacked Sherry in the emergency room. They didn't show it because it was a pay-per-view. Just like set it during a match. Like, oh no, Sherry's or Luna's attacking Sherry in the emergency room. Wow. (sighs) Like we needed visual representation as well, but nothing happened. So now those two were going at it. Soon we got to see it play out in the ring as Luna was getting cornered by Sherry. Bam Bam Bigelow came to help her out and confronted Sherry. So this led to a rivalry between Bam Bam Bigelow and Tatanka. And of course, seeing that Tatanka had his uh, winning streak at the time, Tatanka would win. But after saving Luna Bashan from the evil clutches of Sister Sherry, Bam Bam and Luna developed some sort of bond between the two. Weeks later, on an episode of Superstars, Bam Bam came out and told the world that he had fallen in love. The Beast from the East, hailing from Asbury Park, New Jersey, and tough as nails, because if you never heard of Bam Bam Bigelow before this episode, you may want to Google the Hall of Famer. Yeah, Google him. Back from that Google search, good. Covered from head to toe in tattoos, and I mean that in a literal sense. The man had a full fire tattoo on his skull. Yes, that is real. The biggest badass and probably the future top heel, had he not joined a certain corporation. I said it. This man walked out in front of thousands of fans and told everyone he had fallen in love. People wondered about who the lucky beautiful girl would be that he's talking about. I mean, look at him. He deserves everything, right? Well, they didn't have to wait as he called out for his words. His main squeeze. Luna Bashan came out to a chorus of boos and laughter from the crowd. They could not believe that these two were in love and having a relationship. Yeah, Luna's very beautiful, according to Bam Bam. Luna Bashan would accompany Bam Bam to the ring, sometimes holding hands or hyping up her man. Like, I can just imagine that voice in his ear all the time. Baby, I love you. Yeah, yeah, that's how she sounds. <laughs> um, what, like a 
cigarette. Yeah, no. <laughs> look her up. If, look her up. Look up her interviews. It's her voice. Like, that's her voice now. Like, she had a normal voice back then, but... Um, as time went on, she wanted to live the gimmick. She has a Dark Side of the Ring episode also, if you want to check it out. Dark Side of the Ring, Luna Bashan. It's a really awesome story with her. Um, of course, it's dark, but really awesome. Other times, she would join him in beating his opponent. She did it first. But after his matches, they would embrace and tell each other, I love you. He would even endearingly call her his little tick. So, of course, the crowd took this and had it been done today, it would be considered going viral. But they combined her first name and the nickname and, and chanted, Lunatic, 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 which she hated so much. However, that didn't stop Bam Bam Bigelow from using the moonsault as a finisher and in her honor, Redub it the Luna Salt. Their love lasted a year or so. They worked together in mixed tag team matches such as WrestleMania 10 match when they fought Doink the Clown and his midget partner Dink. Remember that? Yeah, such a. It was for the kids. I'm just saying, it was for the kids. And, you know, he won those matches. Like, not so much when he joined that evil. A million dollar corporation but he won those matches without them so they even included a tag team partner for Bam Bam like you know they wanted tag teams regular tag teams to face Bam Bam Bigelow and but they didn't want Luna Vachon involved in there they just wanted someone to be with him enter Bastion Booger Oh, if Michael was here, he'd be laughing about this gimmick because he, <laughs> I guess it was hilarious to him. Just, if you want, you can Google it or I can just tell you. But I'll give you, I'll give you some time to Google it right now. Or you can just pause it and Google it. But here's his story. He was an unkempt, slovenly, and gluttonous man who wrestled in dingy, two small gray beige singlets tailored to give him the appearance of a hunchback. Uh, just thinking about him just makes me... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was disgusting and nobody wanted him around. Nobody. But Bam Bam brought him into his stable because he needed people for his 4-on-4 four -four team at Survivor Series. Which at the time was an elimination team challenge. You know, like... My four against your four. If you pin one of my guys, he gets eliminated. If I pin one of your guys, he gets eliminated. Not what it is today. Like, today is just totally different than what it was back then. So during their partnership, it felt like the mega powers all over again. But this time it was Bastion Booger who said he had fallen in love with Luna. What is it about crazy chicks, man? I'm not calling you guys crazy chicks, but I'm just saying, what is it about crazy lunatics that makes the these type of men go wild? This enraged Bam Bam and Luna and didn't want him around anymore. But Bastion Booger, even saying his name is disgusting. When people think of Bastion Booger, ask a normal wrestling fan 
don't even ask him, just say the word, Bastion Booger, and he will just say, like, ugh. Because <laughs> he will remember, like, all the promos this guy did, all the vignettes, all the stuff, even before he debuted. It was disgusting. It was like watching this eye pie-eating contest live. But instead of pie, it'd be hot dogs and hamburgers and all that stuff. It's just bad. So Bastion Booger didn't heed the warning as he went forth and took a shot. Go Bastion. Go Bastion. Go Bastion. He kissed our young lunatic on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> you know where the story's going. Uh, jealous and extremely mad, Bam Bam took his frustrations out on Bastion Booger. And so did Luna. Because she too felt disgusted by that. <sighs> Unfortunately, this relationship didn't last long. Yeah. Uh, Bam Bam had a match against Bastion Booger. Took him out. Everything. Bastion got released after that because they didn't want any of that anymore. And Bam Bam looked like the typical heel, of course. You know, defending his woman. Um, but I'm not talking about that relationship. I'm talking about this relationship. The woman's division had restarted, and thus Luna wanted to go forth and go after the women's championship title while Bam Bam was stuck doing his thing. He supported Luna, but he felt alone by her decision. Luna decided what was best for both of them was to go their separate ways. Man, that's crazy talk. But we don't say that here. On June 27, 1994, on an episode of Monday Night Raw, Luna sold Bam Bam's contract to the Million Dollar Man. And we come back around to that guy, Ted DiBiase. Although it sounded like a good decision at the time, the end game came at a price. <laughs> One of the weirdest team-ups is when there's meaning behind it. Take these three stories, for instance. Perry Saturn was told he had to team up with a mob because he injured an enhancement talent. Poor Mike Bell. Chavo Guerrero came out with a stick horse named Pepe in WWE because he wanted to do something new. And R-Truth got punished for being caught on TV smoking a cigarette and was told by Vince he needed to team up with Little Jimmy. I'll get to that one last. But first. On a May 2001 episode of WWE Jacked, or as we like to call them, The Jobber Show, enhancement talent Mike Bell and Perry Saturn both botched a snapmare arm drag, causing Saturn to land on the mat headfirst. That's a big no-no. You gotta watch your opponent. You gotta watch your own self. Saturn legitimately attacked Bell in retaliation for this perceived lack of professionalism and in-ring ethic. Oh, look at him. At one point, tossing Bell out of the ring, causing Bell himself to land on his head on the safety mat. Those, my friends, is what the industry calls receipt. Neither performer sustained serious injury and both were able to resume their respective roles and finish the match as planned without most spectators realizing what had actually happened. 
um, Saturn got pissed off and you know went went all ham on poor Mike Bell, and then he decided, okay, that's enough, pin him, and then that's it. However, backstage management witnessed the vibe change, so to speak, and realized Saturn was going off script with that beating. And so he was punished for doing so. The punishment? Undergoing a very significant gimmick change. He was involved in storylines about his becoming infatuated with a mop. Yes, you heard that right. A mop. Yes. It goes deeper, guys. <laughs> After receiving head trauma in matches against the Acolytes Protection Agency and Raven, Saturn began acting eccentrically and speaking nonsensically. Allegedly as a result of a concussion. Yeah, that'll do it to you. Saturn began uttering the phrase, You're welcome. At inopportune intervals. Very very creative with what they did here sarcasm like his um, radical friends would come up and try to talk to him about a match that's coming up and he just out of the blue would say you're welcome and then everybody would stare at him and was like you know what no I'm just gonna walk away and then the unthinkable happened you know this is when you get punished real bad and the consequences it's like we don't like those consequences because it looks bad it's just embarrassing some of us hated it other probably the kids loved it he fell in love with moppy an inanimate mop which he believed was alive similar to wilson the volleyball in the 2000 film castaway yeah this gimmick went over well with the fans. No, they didn't. We hated it. The kids, I tell you, the kids loved it. It led to a face turn. Because the kids loved it. Terry Ronalds, who was the girlfriend, told Saturn to choose between Moppy and her. And was infuriated when Saturn chose the mop. She left Saturn for Raven, who would help her enact vengeance on Saturn by stealing Moppy and feeding her into a wood chipper. Moppy is a her now? Okay. So they basically gave Moppy a pronoun. It's a her. Saturn in turn, I mean, I get it. <laughs> uh, Saturn in turn gained a measure of revenge when he defeated Raven at Unforgiven on September 23. After this, Saturn dropped the gimmick of course, because your mop is dead now. But he still remained a face. A good guy for those non-wrestling fans. Casually wrestling in tag team matches at Sunday Night Heat. I'm just glad it was a summer fling and it only lasted four months. Major League Wrestling started a podcast back in 2018, which was somewhat of a league concept, like something to wrestle with was. I tried looking up the show again, but wasn't able to find anything anymore, but I did get this transcript of what Chavo said on Ringside News. 
years ago, Chavo Guerrero was a guest on the Why It Ended podcast, and he spoke about the introduction of Pepe the Stick Horse. Oh, uh, yeah. One of the biggest differences is that you could pretty much do whatever you wanted to do with your gimmick as a cruiserweight. And one of his most popular gimmicks is proof of that. He said, it was like we just kept coming up with things and I started getting more and more crazy. One time we were at Eddie's house, his uncle, Eddie Guerrero. Mm, rest in peace. Um, look him up, Google him. He's very awesome. Very... Yeah, one of my favorites. One time we were at Eddie's house and his kids were running around with a stick horse. And we were at Tampa wrestling that night. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to use that stick horse tonight. He was like, oh yeah? Cool. You know in WWE you can't just come up with a gimmick, a new gimmick without telling them. And that's true. Look at Zack Ryder. He tried getting over with the Long Island stories and all that. And they crushed him bad. Um, I remember Naomi tried to do a new thing at a house show with her glow-in-the-dark sticks. Um, she was holding the WWE Women's Championship. And she had made it. Um, she gimmicked it to where it glows in the dark also. So when she went out and did her thing. And the lights were down. Her title glowed in the dark. It was really awesome. She got in trouble, said she couldn't do that, all that stuff. I think it was on Total Divas, on an episode of Total Divas, I forgot. But I think that's where I heard it from, or saw it. Um, where was I? Um, so, it doesn't see that you, you kind of could. And he said, so I came out with a stick horse. I came out with it and nothing really happened. I just did it. So the next week I didn't have the stick horse and there were all these signs for the stick horse. For Pepe. That was the name for the stick horse now. There were all these signs and people with stick horses and I was like, ah oh, man. And Eddie looks at me and goes, you gotta start coming out with this thing bro. And I'm like, oh okay, the ribs on me, haha. And I didn't even know about this either. Uh, I love reading stories like these because now I, I understand that he wasn't punished for anything he did backstage. He wasn't doing anything crazy. He just wanted to do a new gimmick. And that's cool. That's really awesome. Hey, you learn new things on a podcast. Who, who would have known? <laughs> and if you're learning about this now, hey, you and me both, buddy. Um, the Pepe gimmick evolved for Chavo and he said that it was about what the crowd wanted. It was never intended for him to make a new long-term bow when he rode a stick horse to the ring as a joke in Tampa. But apparently, the fans had other ideas. And we have to admit that Pepe was awesome. Yes, he sure was. One of my favorite stories is R-Truth and Little Jimmy. After subsequent episodes of ranting and raving over John Cena's popularity, he harassed a young fan and his father on the May 30th, 2011 episode of Raw, throwing a cup of soda in the father's face after a count-out win over Cena. Don't worry, they didn't sue. After Raw went off the air, the anonymous Raw general manager scheduled a WWE Championship match between the two on the condition that R-Truth apologized for his behavior the next week. 
On the June 6th episode of Raw, R-Truth made his way out to the ring, singing a song about Little Jimmy, referring to the children in attendance, and wearing a Confederate soldier's uniform, before apologizing for his actions. In the ensuing title match at Capital Punishment, R-Truth was unsuccessfully in winning the WWE Championship. The next night on Raw, his excuse was that he got got by Little Jimmy. Um, so, backstage, however, Vince told Truth to refer to WWE fans as Little Jimmy's. He said, like in the moment I came out, Vince was like, okay, they're cheering for it. I want you to come out and shed on the people and call them all Little Jimmy's. All John Cena fans. I did that and I just happened to turn to the side and bend down and said, Ah, oh, Little Jimmy, all the Little Jimmy's out there want to be like you. And from that point on, everybody pointed and said, He's talking to Little Jimmy. <sighs> little Jimmy is just eh, an imaginary... There's nobody there. It's just hilarious. I mean... Our truth can make even Brock Lesnar laugh. Come on, he, Brock Lesnar. He broke character and had to laugh. So if he can do that, he can do anything. He basically is the comedic standard of WWE. If our truth was around, if this our truth was around, in possibly the new generation era, he would have. Sold all the key would have been champion by then. Of course, he's hilarious as a face, but even funnier as a heel because he used the little Jimmy gimmick and ran with it. To him, everyone was a Jimmy the little kids, the daddy Jimmy's, and the mommy Jimmy's. And for those wondering what little Jimmy meant, it was an imaginary character that he would talk to while everyone else, regardless of heel or face, would either say nobody was there or play along as well. For those that played along with high-five Little Jimmy and pretend to talk to them, and then kicked him out of the ring just like Daniel Bryan did back in 2012 and Drew Gulak in 2020, to which the camera followed the motion of the kick and would zoom in on where it would have landed. And then you had the commentators, Oh no, he kicked Little Jimmy. Poor Little Jimmy's dead. Yeah. It... <laughs> Even the production truck and the cameras were in on it. It got so ridiculously funny that they gave Little Jimmy a backstory each and every week, even going as far as to make him a photo album on the WWE website as well as interesting facts about his life, like the following. Little Jimmy is an art enthusiast and a devotee of postmodern hyperrealism. <sighs> yeah. Little Jimmy gave the closing speech at his kindergarten class graduation ceremony. And Little Jimmy loves Halloween and playing tug-of-war. Alright guys, I'm going to end the show here. Told you it was going to be a short episode. Michael will be back in a couple of days, and we will do a part two of Oddball Couples as well. For now, we wanted to say thank you for the support that you have all given us since the first episode came out. Ah, that first episode. <laughs> uh, I apologize about that first episode. And the first few episodes, it's never, you know, it was pilot. It was my first um, venture into the world of podcasting. And I was really into talking about this. 
But we really appreciate it. This is actually episode 26. And some of these episodes are about an hour to two hours long. And if you listen to all of them, it means that you basically listen to 50 plus hours of wrestling content or us rambling about something that we love to talk about. Believe me, we love to talk about this. So here's the 50 more hours of wrestling content in the near future. However, I wanted to tell you the news first. With Not only are we being sponsored by Anchor.fm, totally free, but we are adapting with the wrestling times, so to speak, and having a name change. Although we are still going by be the same wrestling podcast just with a new name for legal reasons. We want to be unique and be able to sell t-shirts and keychains and, like I said before, bumper stickers. So you can put on your laptops and, you know, anywhere else you want to take it. I wanted to put some on this drive through that I usually go around the corner that has a bunch of stickers. Uh, I was there the other night and I kept saying, one day I'm going to put the sticker on my podcast up there. Somebody's going to come up here, look at that sticker and say, hey. I saw your sticker posted on the wall, and I'm going to be proud because why not? I'm slowly changing it. I just wanted to know the wrestling junkies know first. The fans of the show, inching my way towards and changing the name on every site. That will definitely be done by next week. The show is still going to remain the same, just with a different name. So starting next week, for now, this is still All Things Wrestling. Alright guys, thank you for listening to the show, listening to me ramble on about this, and supporting us. You can find us on the Nerdvana Network, or TNN for short, which is a conglomerate of podcasts that promote each other's common interests, so give them all a follow as well. Check out the link tree at linktree.com forward slash the Nerdvana Network. Follow me on Twitter at MillionDollarGeek. Listen to us on Spotify or Anchor.fm, totally free, at All Things Wrestling for now. Check us out on YouTube and smash that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram for more wrestling content for now. Hopefully you're reading the episode's description. Click on see more and leave us a message. Doesn't matter if you're trolling, we will still air it. I'm going to post this week's questions later this week. Thank you once again for listening to these stories because wrestlers aren't the only thing that hide under the apron. <laughs>